What's going on, everyone? This is scriptwriter Steve. Today is Saturday, and you know what that is. It is Screenwriting Saturday. That means today we're not going to talk about barbecue. We may talk about movies because movies and scriptwriting or screenwriting have everything to do with each other. But we're not going to talk about politics right now, too. Or we may if, we get, if I go off on a tangent and start talking about personalities, which I love to do, as every writer is an armchair psychologist. So this is my first episode as far as it, when it comes to screenwriting or storytelling. I've been getting a lot of messages regarding the art of story because a lot of you out there want to become professional storytellers. And I have to tell you, being a professional storyteller does not mean you know, writing a novel or actually writing a script. That could be an ambition of yours. And in fact, if it is an ambition of yours, I say chase it the best you can. Um, you know, a lot of people you will, will tell you you can't do it, you know, but you might as well try because it is a lot easier to become a professional writer or professional storyteller than any time there was out there. In the 90s, it was almost impossible. Um, and now here in, we're in 2020 and with YouTube or this podcasting, you could become a professional storyteller in almost anything. What do you think those influencers, I hate those influencers, by the way, I really do. I, I think they're just horrible. They, 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 they actually take society down lower, don't you think so? But anyway, those influencers are professional storytellers. YouTubers are professional storytellers. And, you know, every single aspect, it's so easy to become a monetized professional storyteller these days. I mean, not well, it's not easy. I'm going to take that back. But it's a lot easier than before. And in fact, creating passive income. Now, I know some of these you know, professional YouTubers, they're creating passive income. And you know, passive income is something almost, almost like a miracle. Um, back in the days, in the 90s, as a screenwriter or as an actor, you would never get passive income. You work on a, a movie or entertainment or any, any type of idea, and the, and the producer says, yeah, you're going to get this many points. Well, good luck on that. The way they, they structure their corporate, their corporate rate ration and with distribution deals and everything, yeah, you're probably on the end of that, and you won't even see a penny, even if you're with the union. Even if with your, your the union. So, so uh, anyway, becoming a professional storyteller, I would say go straight ahead. I'm all for it. And there are all different aspects of doing it. So now there are four main things when it comes to storytelling. Um, now, if you want to become a professional storyteller, and these are you know, basically my opinion. So you can take it with a grain of salt. You can believe me or not. Or you could go say, or you could disagree with me 100%. You won't hurt my feelings. But number one, and I think this is a very, a very important one, is that you have to be entertaining, really, really entertaining. And that doesn't mean you have to be funny. It just means you have to be interesting. Um, you, you, there's certain people who are just interesting people, or they're funny people. They're people who are natural storytellers who command an audience. You, know, you put them in, in a room, and people just gravitate toward them. Um, this is something I don't think you can train. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of classes for it, how to be a more entertaining person or anything and how to sell things and everything out there. But the truth is you either have it or you don't. That's my opinion. So if you're not entertaining, um, the 
the odds of becoming a professional storyteller, um, probably not as high, but that doesn't mean you can't become an effective one, all right? So, so uh, you have to ask yourself, am I really entertaining or not? Or, or, or you know, do I have a natural gift or ability? If you do, there's a really high chance, you, you probably have a good chance of becoming a professional storyteller. Um, if not, you know, you could be, always become an instructor and teach in college. You know, those guys are, you know, they like to li- listen to themselves talk all the time, right? So, number two you have to become an effective communicator. So when I say effective communicator, you have to keep everything a little bit short. You know, every, everyone has an attention span. So, you know, and entertaining and being interesting and being an effective communicator, they're very synergistic, right? So if you're not entertaining, you're not being very effective. But there are some people, you know, when they talk, you just want them to get to the point. And they're not getting to the point. They always take the long route. And so a lot of times they're writing their novels, the way they talk to people, they're all the same. They always take the long route there. But eventually when you get there, it's pretty interesting, but you have to take the long A train, right? Or maybe you have, you have to transfer the A to B to C to get to there. And that's where, you know, unfortunately, those writers have to either have their things rewritten or edited for it to be more effective. Now, it doesn't mean you can't become a professional writer. It just means you need to work your way in it to be as effective as possible because nowadays people's uh, their attention span is like of a child or probably even worse than a child right now now these are things which you can fix they're actually fixable so if you're not an effective communicator right now and you tend to bloviate too long don't worry it's fixable that entertaining though aspect again i don't really think that's fixable i just think that you know some people are just born or not born with it um now your number three would be your knowledge of human behavior. Now, this is very, very important. I think this is probably one of the most important things you can have out there um, if you want to dive into professional storytelling. Um, you have to know human behavior and personality types uh, like the back of your hand. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter which methodology you study or if you're a psychologist or if you're, you know, a, you know um, uh, you know, a, a just knowledgeable, you, know, you use horoscopes for, for myself and a lot of writers, we use the Enneagram. Um, and there's some people who don't, there, there's some people who just, they have this natural gift of just reading people. Um, but you have to know human behavior so well that when you write or create a character, your audience can actually relate with a character on the screen or in the book, or you can actually represent them very accurately and even if you're making fun of them you can still make this caricature of them so you know who you're imitating and making fun of right so and and uh yeah it has to be fresh it has to be accurate even if you're like making a uh, you know, satire of them it still has to be accurate to that personality personality type okay lastly number four and the last one it's you have to be a compulsive researcher. So you have to research and research and research. You have to know your stuff. You have to know your stuff as good as the person, so good that that you um, that that like say for example, if I am doing a a hospital scene, right? I have to know as much as a doctor. I have to know so much about medicine that I could actually become pretty much a doctor. And if a doctor watches my episode that I write, they'll have to say, wow, 
You did everything right there. Everything in this script is perfect. Now, how do you get there? You have to study medicine, period. You have to consult with doctors. You have to say, did I write this scene correctly? You know, everything has to be perfect, perfect, perfect. Again, if you don't, and, it, and, you, and you upset that one area where, where doctors will say, well, that hospital scene is, is a bunch of baloney. And then you just lost like a lot of your audience and then people like rip it apart and say, that's not possible. And that's what we call lazy writing. When you actually, the screenwriter or the storyteller doesn't actually do their homework. Um, and they can be really stupid. Like say, for example, in The Last Jedi, you had bombs, they had like space bombs. Bombs were like, you know, dropping from space as though there was gravity. There's no gravity in space. That's, that's not only lazy writing, that's stupid writing. Or when the spaceship in The Last, in the, in the La, the Last Jedi, it ran out of fuel and then it started slowing down. Well, no, there's like, you know, infinite kinetic energy, right, in space, right? It's kind of like playing the asteroid game. Remember that night, that 80s asteroid game? And you keep moving. Once you keep moving, going one way, you're going to keep going that way. That's how satellites move. You don't, you know, they're not 100% powered 100% of the time. You just got to move it and it'll keep moving. And apparently in Last Jedi, the writers and the directors and everyone just said, hey, you know what? I think if you run out of gas, you stop moving like a car. So that's just stupid. You know, stupid writing. They didn't do their research or they're just really, really dumb. I think, I think it's a little bit of both. So that right there are the four things you have to kind of be if you want to be a, a storyteller. You have to be entertaining, an effective communicator, and have a vast knowledge of human behavior, and you have to do your research. And those are just the four little things. And once you master all of those, you have basically turned the corner and become a great storyteller. So what is storytelling? Now, every time I say storyteller, everyone says, wow. They always say, I want to write a novel. I want to write a, I want to write a script. I want to, you know, I want to work in the movie industry. Or, man, I have this story and telling me inside of me I want to you know, write about dinosaurs. Like I want to be the next Michael Crichton, which is like most doctors for some reason. So many doctors I know you know, have become my friends because they want to become storytellers. Um, they want to become novelists. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, a lot of them are not that great. You know, I hope they're not listening to this right now, but a lot of them are not that great. <laughs> so, uh, but um, storytelling, you can use though in, in every single aspect. Uh, once you master that, I, I guess, the art of storytelling, um, you can become, you're always going to become a professional storyteller, no matter, no matter what medium you use. Now, when I was 18 to 19 years old, I found myself in Hollywood, and I was working in there, working to be a screenwriter, and I had an agent, and, you know, I had one pinky in the door. I was working for some celebrities on some of their projects and everything like that, and I was kind of living the lifestyle of a writer out there, you know, getting my scripts to the right people and getting some rewrite jobs here and there. Um, um, but that, that is not always the, the, um, the pathway to, to a professional storyteller. Now, I did come down after I, I, I about a couple years in, in, um, in uh, I guess, in Hollywood, I did come back to Hawaii. That's where I live right now. And I started my own production company. And then from there, I used the art of story to do a lot of other, other things. So I started a wedding company down here, and we started to do, you know, tell the stories of love stories of weddings, right? It's the same aspect. Uh, you know, instead of capturing love, you know, we actually captured real love stories on 
on tape rather than fake love stories on film in Hollywood, which are all fake, right? The actors really don't love each other. Sometimes they hate each other. So then we did things like promoting concerts. But even then, when we promoted the concerts, I still used the three-act structure, you know, to, 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 to introduce my acts. You know, there was a beginning and a middle and an end to everything. Um, the marketing things that we did, uh, the commercials that we made. You know, we use, you know, I use storytelling to, to create the commercials, the promotional ads on the radio. Um, everything now, including that, we ran a nonprofit organization called Generation Life, which was a five hundred one c three, and we wrote. I wrote the grants, and I got grant money. And uh, again, we I used storytelling to write the grants. You know, so you know, again, here I went from a screenwriter to using the same thing, telling now instead of you know telling the story of a fictional story, I used the story of like why we would you know, we should get the money. And where we would, you know, use the money for, and why, how we would be helping out, how we would be helping out the community. Again, it's all storytelling being applied in different mediums. So, and then when it came to, we also started creating websites. You know, we were this is back in the '90s where uh, we were creating everything with HTML, and this company that we were writing, uh, we were doing. Um, we did website design, photography, and and. Uh, and videography, and we did with that we did commercials and all these things. Uh, um, but but at the same time, we're doing websites. We're one of the only companies back then doing websites, and because uh, everybody wanted a website. Remember that the internet wasn't that big back then. It's not like what it was now. There was no WordPress and no none of these like you know companies where you can drag and drop things. You had to actually hard code everything, and uh, you know we were you know, we knew enough to get away with it. We charged like you know. Ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a website, which you could back then, which like you know looked nothing like the ones today. But again, we use storytelling in, in there. You know how to tell the story of your company. We took the photos that took that, that told the story of the of your company, and they're very we're very very effective at creating this, this to making sure customers would trust them. Um, you know, gaining the trust of a, a customer was the same thing as gaining the trust of of an audience. So just because, again, you know, you're, you're not, if you're, if you're an aspiring writer and you're not making it in Hollywood, and trust me, and or you're not making it in the creative mediums, now I want to tell you this, you can make it and use all the skills that you're about to learn in this storytelling. If you continue listening to this, right, you will be able to learn how to become an effective business person, a marketer, you can become a really good speech writer. You can probably even write grants. You could write copy for websites. You know, I took it as far as actually learning how to actually read people and to invest into the stock market um, and to, to actually, you know, read, you know, you know, I, you know, read science journals, which, you know, is kind of like a sickness, but then I'll read them and figure out, well, what's fiction and what's not? Because scientists love to storytell. Trust me on this. Science is not an exact art. There's definitely a lot of art in science. They make stuff up. And a lot of times it's easy to see plot holes in there. But um, you can use it for a lot of things. If you're a lawyer, the closing arguments or to how to make your arguments to a jury, that's all storytelling. If you're not entertaining, if you're not interesting, if you can't sell your argument, which is basically what every screenwriter, scriptwriter does to the audience. If you can't convince an audience that you know, a guy in an iron suit can fly, which is, you know, Iron Man, within the first, like, you know, 20 seconds, well, you know, your whole movie of Iron Man is basically useless. So you have to 
convince your audience. You know, you have to create an argument and say, this is what it's done. So, you know, and all of it is, again, by being entertaining, you know, being an effective communicator, having knowledge of human behavior, and doing your research. So those are the four elements right there. And now, going on to here, going on to what I, I really want to talk about is that I'm actually creating or actually have created uh, my own storytelling course. And don't worry, you don't have to pay for it. It's 100% free. And um, the, I call it the Maverick Way. And uh, what it is, is basically, it's very different from any other storytelling course out there because it focuses on learning human behavior first. You have to learn, and I use the Enneagram. So on this, on, on my course, the Maverick, the Maverick way, the Maverick storytelling method, which I call it, you know, like Top Gun, Maverick, right? Um, I basically make sure that you know the Enneagram like the back of your hand. Because once you know the Enneagram like the back of your hand, you can write so many different characters accurately. And you don't have to say, well, I based this story on my aunt who, who abused me. Or I based this one on this friend that I had. And I think he's pretty out there. And, and you have to keep thinking that way. But, you know, you, when, if you do that, you don't really know what motivates them, what their fears are, what their passions are. You know, you just make crap up. You really just make crap up. Um, I've been to so many writers groups out there. And people always, they, where they struggle, ultimately you know, is basically creating characters. And you don't have to create characters. You shouldn't create characters. You know, they have all these books on creating characters. But no, you should just know, if you know human behavior, you will know how your character will act in any situation. And I'll give you this one example, okay? I'm going to do this off the top of my head. I've told, told this to a lot of people before, but it's just right off the top of my head, so I may stutter here and there. But imagine this, we're at the Quickie Mart, you know, over at, in the Simpsons. And Apu is there, working the counter. And uh, in, in walks Batman, Superman, Robin. And then Apu, and then, oh, hold on. In, and also walks, who, who walks in? Homer Simpson, of course. We've got to have Homer Simpson, right? And all of a sudden, Apu puts on the sign on his counter, free donuts, First come, first serve. And he puts out the donuts right there. So we can kind of imagine how to write that scene because we kind of know that, you know, you know um, Homer Simpson is probably just going to die for the donuts and not care about anyone. Super, you know, Batman is a you know, law and order type of guy, almost to a fault. And he'll probably try to play hero in a very bad way, probably in a very violent way. Robin will stay by and he may assist Batman and then Superman will probably try to rescue Homer from Batman. And we're all going to come up with kind of the same storyline, a very comical storyline, but it's all going to be kind of the same because we understand the personality traits of Robin, Batman, Homer, and Superman, and also Apu to, to a certain extent. So, and the Enneagram just labels it by numbers. So, for example, Batman is a type 1, Superman is a type 2, Robin is a type 6, and Homer can be seen as a type 8. So, you know, and, and then imagine this. If, if you were to actually say, if you're working with me on a, on a script, 
and you come to me and say, Steve, you know, I'm working on this character right here. He's a type eight. He's a type eight challenger personality. What do you think you would do in this person? What would you think you would do in this situation here? And then now we can both be on the same page because we understand what the type eight personality is, what his fears are, his motives are, you know, what his, uh, what his childhood may have been like. And, and uh, where is he on in the healthy and unhealthy scale, what his hobbies are, you know, and these are all mapped out on the Enneagram. And we know it. You and I speak the same language. And this is something that with the writers up in, like, you know, the, the small group of writers that I knew up in California, um, they knew this better than I did. Now, I just kind of like learned it. You know, I, I wasn't too much into it back then. I learned it a little because they knew it. And I was still a little arrogant little kid. I said, I know, I don't, I don't, need, I don't really need to know. But I knew enough to, to know. And I, I couldn't understand why they learned it so well. But they would, they would all say, well, I'm running this character to type three or four. You know, I got this one as a type five and all those things and all that. But he deteriorates to a type four or five. You know, and, and, and I, it just didn't, it didn't jive to me. And right now I'm, I'm probably talking a different language to, than you. But now... Fast forward to like my current age, you know, I've learned Enneagram again and I wish I knew it so well. Like right now, I know it really, really well. I wish I was like far back there in California, you know, maybe I would have had a much longer writing career, you know, but I, you know, maybe I didn't want to be, be in Hollywood that long though. I kind of, that's a different story. <laughs> but, um, but you know what I'm saying? My, my knowledge of character right, right now is so deep. And it's very easy for me to write, you know, somewhat it's very easy for me to write, you know, um, it's always a little struggle, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, I don't get writer's block. You know, that's one thing. And if you know, again, human behavior this well, you know, it's very easy for you to write, write stories. You're not going to get writer's block at all. If anything, you, you may just, you know, start you know, thinking, well, does it, you know, does this type of personality actually, you know, do this in this situation? Um, and then you may ask your friend, what would you think? And everything like that, which they do understand, you know, personality types. But, um, you know, this is where my maverick storytelling method focuses on. So in the upcoming episodes, I'm just going to be focusing on, you know, specific, I guess, specific personality types. And if you want to continue, every Saturday, I am going to start talking about, first of all, the nine different personality types. There's nine, um, starting with the reformer, helper, achiever, the individualist, the intellect, the, the intellect, the loyalist, the challenger, and then the peacekeeper. So, oh, and we forgot about the enthusiast. So you can't, can't forget about the enthusiast. And once you learn all of these, you learn all of these, it'll be so easy again for you to pound out that script. You will never have to buy another screenwriting book. You never have to go to another, another Facebook group and ask everyone, what would a character do this? You know, I have writer's block. How do you get rid of writer's block? You know, um, and you'll be able to write really in-depth, you know, strong characters that a lot of people can relate to. You can, a lot of people can relate to the pain of these characters. So um, that is it for today's um, podcast regarding screenwriting or professional storytelling. Um, you can find my uh, storytelling, I guess, um, curriculum under Storytelling 101 on my website, 
scriptwritersteve.com. So that's scriptwritersteve.com. And it's right there on the top, Storytelling 101. And um, it, I have yet to finish up all of the, the curriculum, but I will be podcasting every single Saturday and talking about screenwriting. And the next thing we're going to be talking about is the Enneagram and the effectiveness of the Enneagram and how it was created, the history. And then after all of the Enneagram, we, we learned all about the whole thing. Then we would go into actually some of the storytelling methodology of learning about Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, subplots, conflicts, and everything like that. And you'll know, you, you, once you learn this, okay, you'll know how, how important it is. Like say, for example, I'll just do one more example before I go. If we want to choreograph a fight scene, and again, we're going to have two different types of fighters here, right? So we're going to have one, which is, you know, a type one reformer and then a type eight challenger, okay? Now they're almost pretty much the same thing. But see, the number, the type eight challenger doesn't like to play by the rules. The type one is a rule follower. So again, the eight, the type eight challenger in a fight will be more likely to cheat, low blow, go for, go for, you know, low, 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 low kicks, right? You know, poke someone in the eye, you know, maybe kick someone in the groin, while the type one will be more respectable and believe there's, there's rules that they have to follow, that even then they won't kill. But the type eight will kill. The type eight will cheat. You know, Deadpool, a type eight. Wolverine, a type eight. Captain America is a type one. Batman is a type one. All right? Spider-Man is a type nine, but it's with a strong type one wing. And we'll talk about wings later on. But again, this is how... This is how Again, it affects even a fight scene. See how quick that is? And again, we don't have to label them as Iron Man, Batman, Spider-Man, you know, Wolverine. We just label, label, label them by personality types on the Enneagram. It's that easy. And what is, what is Superman? He's a type two, a helper, a compulsive helper. So he rescues everyone. He has to rescue everyone. So he's not one to fight. He's one to rescue. So he's always being there. If you ever have a fight scene, he's going to rescue people first before he starts fighting. So again, this is how we do it. Instead of write, writing on a script, they fight, or writing on a thing, he's going to fight. No, he'll probably try to help first if he's Superman, right? So again, this is everything from there. Everything, everything comes down to personality behavior right there. It trickles right down. So anyway, I've been talking here for 26 minutes. You're probably bored right now. And... Uh, this is it for it. This is it for this episode. Hope you have a good day and I will talk to you later and I hope to see you on my next Saturday where we will be diving into the type 1 enneagram, type 1 reformer, okay, on the enneagram and that is your compulsive reformer who is like Captain America or an, the an unhealthy version would be Batman. And uh if you want to take a look in real life, that would be someone like Bernie Sanders. That would be someone like uh, Donald Trump, um, AOC in real life, Rand Paul. If we're talking about, you know, again, political people, they're, they love to fix things, love to fix things. On the bad side, they're very argumentative, horribly argumentative and stubborn and anal-retentive. So that will be for next week, Saturday, on our Screenwriting Saturdays. But um, right now, we're going to end it, 
and I will see you later on.